Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Sower's Seat Pod Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Sower's Seed Pod Podcast. I wanted to kind of touch on something. A couple of my past podcasts, um, I, I, I made a number of comments in some previous podcasts about, uh, for example, the, uh, the wedding feast and how the Jews are analogously identified as the original wedding guests and how, uh, as a culture, they did not respond to that invitation. And so the invitation was opened up to everybody. And that's just one example of some of the, the stuff that I've been talking about. And I, I didn't want to leave you with the impression that I, in any way, shape, or form, consider the Jews to be outside of God's plan in any way, shape, or form. Because the reality of the situation is, you know, first and foremost, let's let's just be real. Regardless of the fulfillment of the Old Covenant, regardless of their views on the messianic nature or their, in their opinion, the lack thereof, of Christ, they are still God's chosen people. And they are absolutely, positively going to figure in very heavily in the end times. And not just them as a people, but... Uh, but Israel as a country as well. So make no mistake, folks, this is not at any point intended to bash Jews or to do anything other than to point out that there is a difference in the Jewish faith where it boils down to and and what ultimately is going to end up coming out of this. And keep in mind, folks, you know, look, There, this is the reason why you've heard me refer to them, the Jews, as our uh, ideological or spiritual cousins, because we ultimately come from the same root in terms of the fact that you know we 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 are the spiritual descendants, if you will, of Abraham through our faith in Yahweh. But that having been said, the Jewish leaders, and to no small degree, the Jewish people of the time, were in fact responsible for Christ's crucifixion. Now, that having been said, it had to go down the way that it did. There's no no question and no argument about that. It had to be that way. Not the least of which the reasons for which, uh, not the least of which being that that's what prophecy said. Prophecy told us in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come 
to his own people and not be received by them. In fact, he would be rejected by them. And uh, later as well that, uh, you know, again, prophecy tells us that he would even be betrayed by a dear friend with whom he had shared bread. Now, understand very clearly, I'm not making this stuff up. And, and more into the point, on the day of Pentecost, Peter even preached a very fiery sermon that ultimately ended, uh, looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now again, folks, it had to go down that way. And for whatever it's worth, especially in the times in which we live, there are no Jews alive today that I'm aware of that had anything to do with the false conviction and crucifixion of Jesus. Okay, The Jews alive today are not the ones that made up the lies that are told by the Jewish religious leaders to try to discredit Jesus as the Messiah. Now, all of that having been said, there are some very critical pieces of scripture here that I need to make sure that my listeners understand very clearly. Obviously, I just referenced Acts 2.36, but let's continue reading at verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they, referring to the Jews of that time that, that he was speaking to at Pentecost, the ones that he had just explained that they were responsible for, for Christ being crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So quite literally, on the day of Pentecost, when the, the statement is made that you, my Jewish brethren, are the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. It's not an accusation. It's not a condemnation. It's simply a statement of fact. But it cut them to the quick. And, and Peter immediately follows this up, not with go say 300 Hail Marys, not with, uh, you know, go uh, confess and, and bathe in the pool at, at Shiloh. No. His response is, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus because Jesus, his blood is the only thing that's going to save you. And, and God is calling still to this day, 
you, the Jewish people, your children, your descendants, the entire Jewish nation, as well as these others from a far-off land, meaning Gentiles, Greeks, as, as Paul would later refer to them. But the Lord is calling all of you to himself. And this is what I mean when I say, I, let me rephrase that. This is the second half of what I mean when I say things like we are the spiritual cousins, the ideological cousins of the Jews. Because here's the thing. Not only do we have that common uh, ideological ancestry, if you will, but just like you know the 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 cousins that you haven't seen since a family reunion two years ago, we are still all being called to one place, one designation, one salvation under Jesus. All of us are being called to that same family reunion. So. Again, to try to to try first of all to hold any Jews alive today responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus is even more insane than some of the garbage that's going on in our society right now. We we have people that want to hold certain groups of people responsible for the sins of our past and in some cases we're talking hundred year old sins now granted the ones in particular i'm thinking of go back millennia but to hold the people who are alive today responsible for those sins that they had nothing to do with is not just counterproductive it's completely and entirely inappropriate. So I hold the same position about trying to blame the Jews of today for the crucifixion of Jesus. They had nothing to do with it. And just like me, <laughs> nobody else needs to take on the responsibility of someone else's sin because truly, God knows I have plenty of my own to deal with. So I don't need to be assigning someone else's sin to a third party. It has nothing to do with it. And so I, I said all that to say this. If, if you at any point find yourself uh, less than interested in being, being congenial to a religious Jew because of, of what the Jews did to Christ. And yes, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know it sounds stupid. I've actually met people who have a, a full-blown hatred of Jews, not just as a race, but as an ideological culture. And they're... they're their justification for hating Jews is not any of the other stupid garbage that gets spewed on TV. It, they're, they're, they're claiming that it has to do with, well, it was the Jews that crucified Jesus. Well, yes, it was the Jews then. 
and many of them who were responsible, I mean, literally directly responsible, many of the ones who were screaming crucify him came to know that Jesus is Lord. God hardened their hearts. They had no choice because, again, remember, it had to go down the way that it did. Now, that doesn't mean, for example, that Judas was forgiven of his sin, necessarily. I, I don't think that he was. The Bible doesn't record that he repented, but then again, I don't know. I wasn't there. His role in that entire process was absolutely critical, and it was preordained from the very beginning. This was the this was what this man would be known for throughout the remainder of eternity. I I really don't even think that it would be much of a stretch to say he had no choice in the matter. But that doesn't change the fact that he did in fact betray. Jesus. And again, I don't I don't know if he sought forgiveness from God after that. I again, I have no way of knowing. My point is that just because it had to go down the way that it did does not necessarily mean that those that were there and participated in that get off scot-free because God hardened their hearts. Because that's just like, you know, the, 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 the path to destruction is wide and easy to travel, whereas the, the road to redemption is narrow and not very many people get through that. But keep in mind, again, a great number of the people who were screaming, crucify him, crucify him, heard Peter's uh, uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost and they converted. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews became Christians just that one day alone. And again, this is what I mean when I say things like we are spiritual and ideological cousins. We don't just come from the same root, the same stock, spiritually speaking. We are also called to the same family reunion. The other uh, segment from Scripture that I wanted to, to tie into this uh, comes from Romans. It's uh, chapter 15, verses 8 through 13. And it's it's a really interesting uh, piece of scripture because Paul himself is kind of preaching the exact same message that I am right now in that it's not about Jews or Gentiles. It's not about Jews or Christians. It's about the fact that we are all one people through Jesus. Okay? So starting with with verse 8 and going through 9 or going through verse 13. Uh 
for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the uncircumcised. Excuse me. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness. He's he's referring to the old covenant. He's referring to the fact that I have I have I the Lord your God I have said that you are my people and I am your God repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. So I am sending my son to you first. Uh, in order to confirm the, the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And again, I'll just kind of pause right there. Because again, this this is exactly, this and, and the, the podcast I did about the, the wedding feast, you take the two of them together and you understand that I, I, I look at God's God's majesty and his grace and his forgiveness and, and his might and his mercy. And I understand that all of this was poured out on the Jewish people. And that Christ was given to them as, as their Messiah, but because they didn't accept the invitation, now I have an opportunity to attend that family reunion. And I, and I genuinely think that's what he's talking about here in that, uh, you know, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. What he's saying is he sent Jesus to the Jews so that the Gentiles could glorify God. Now, that doesn't make sense unless you look at it from the standpoint, again, of the wedding feast. He sent them there with a fistful of invitations and nobody took him up on it relatively speaking. So he turned to the Gentiles and the Gentiles said, you what? You have a what for me? Oh, yes, please. And in so doing, gave glory to God. Um, as it is written uh, in, in Samuel, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name, or sing to your name. And again it is said in Deuteronomy, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, and again, in the Psalms, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And what Paul is pointing out is going quite literally all the way back to the beginning of recorded Jewish history in the same uh, the same book of Deuteronomy that that deals almost exclusively almost exclusively with the the law of Moses in that uh, that that book are immediate references to to the Gentiles and and singing praise to God. And again, it goes and, and these aren't the only examples. It goes on and on and on and on. Even the great King David in his Psalms was talking about we Gentiles praising God. So again, we were spiritual cousins even before 
the final invitation to the family reunion was handed out. But we didn't have the ability to take advantage of that invitation until Jesus showed up on the scene and fulfilled that old covenant. Because again, that covenant was, among other things, I am your God and you are my people. Now, nothing about that has changed except that now it's my people are those who are called to my name. My people are the ones who have accepted the invitation to the wedding and are going to be here for the feast. My people are the ones that have accepted the call through my son and are washed clean by his blood. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, every man, every nation, every tribe, every tongue who will confess the name of Jesus and accept their sins being washed away by his blood and only by his blood, these are God's people now because there is a new covenant. And this new covenant does not preclude anyone from the old covenant taking advantage of the opportunity or being included into the the family reunion. This is why it is so important that we embrace our Jewish cousins. The Bible tells us very specifically that those who come against Israel are destined to be doomed. Whether it's a nation or a people, you come against my people Israel and you will be doomed. This is why, despite our ideological differences, why Christians traditionally have felt such a tight bond with the Jews and the people of Israel. That's their ancestral homeland. And this is why it is important that I make sure that you understand what I mean when I say that we are ideological cousins with them. And that we don't turn on our own family. We reach out to them in love. This has been the Sower Seed Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.